Matthew chapter number one, verse 21 says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And uh, I don't know if y'all know who William Shakespeare is. He wrote a play a long time ago called Romeo and Juliet. Yes, I know y'all know who William Shakespeare is. But he wrote a play called Romeo and Juliet. And there's a scene there. I forget. I think it's act two. But she's standing there on the balcony. And it's one of the most famous ones. But she's, she's talking about her newfound love. But their families are battling. And uh, Romeo's part of the Montagues. And she's part of the Capulets. And there's one part where she's up on there. And she, she's saying, it, it, if only it wasn't for these names. That's why we're fighting against each other. And she says, what's in a name? A rose by any other word would smell just as sweet. I'm not going to go through and read the rest, but that's what I want to ask today. What's in a name? And you think about that, you know, what is a name? It's just a word we call each other by. You name a child and you call call them that name for the rest of their lives unless they change it. Now, Dee Dee, many of you may not know, her name is, and yeah, <laughs> I see the fist come up. Her name is Doris Darlene. And Doris Darlene means basically a darling gift from the sea. And uh, she changed her name to Dee Dee, which means don't call me Doris or Darlene. <laughs> but when we... When we, when we look in the Bible, we see that names are very important to God. And when he names things, and he names people, and when people are named, there's a very good reason behind it. When you, Psalm 147, verse 4, and I'm going to be reading a lot of verses here today, but we're just jumping off of Matthew chapter 1 here, but Psalm 147, verse 4 says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. When God looks up in the heavens, he knows the name of every one of the stars. And uh, he's very specific about it. And I want to ask you, what kind of name are you going to have this year? What's in a name? When we look in the Bible and we look all the way back into Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam in the Garden of Eden. We know Adam's name comes down through history. You know, Romans chapter 5 talks about the first Adam and the second Adam. He's a type of Christ. But there in the Garden of Eden, he's, his first job was to name all of the animals as they came by. That's the first job that God gave man. And he was to give, the name gives meaning to people. It gives, it, it tells you something about them. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, it said, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. A name's very important. A name can sometimes change in the Bible when something changes in someone's life. You remember in the book of Ruth, you remember Naomi. Her husband and her sons went to Moab because there was no bread in Israel at that time. There was no there was a famine in the land, and they went to Moab to live. And there in Moab, her two sons got married, and her husband 
passed away, and both her sons ended up passing away, and she returns, and all she has with her is one daughter-in-law, Ruth. And we're thankful for that because Ruth is in the line of David. But Naomi, when she came back, her name meant pleasant one. And when she comes back to to, uh, Bethlehem, it says, so they went to, uh, Ruth 119 says, so they went, Two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? She's come back home, and they all gather around her. They remember, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. She said, don't don't call me the pleasant one. Call me bitter, because the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Isaac, you know, later in the Bible, they say, when, when they name God, they say the God of Isaac, the God of, Je- the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of Joseph. But uh, Isaac. His name reflected the laughter of his mother at his birth. You remember when uh, Jesus came to visit Abraham? You may not remember that because it just said an angel. It was the angel of the Lord. It was Jesus that came to visit him with two other angels. And he's talking to Abraham, and he says, you know, Sarah's going to have a child. And And she laughs within herself. She says, how can I have a child in my old age? You know, God lets things go until you know is God. There's no other way but God's hand that makes something happen. We see that in her life. And she laughed within herself. And Jesus said, well, why'd you laugh? This is going to happen. Jesus spoke it. It's going to happen. She laughed within herself. And when she had Isaac, she was laughing at everybody else because she had a child when nobody thought she could. So she named him Isaac. In Genesis 21, 6, and Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. Esau, he was named Harry because of his appearance. Esau meant Harry. Jacob was named supplanter or heel catcher because when he was born, he had grabbed Esau's heel and, and, and held on to it because he grasped his brother's Esau heel and his name was later changed to Israel. Over in Genesis chapter 32, verse 8, when Jacob was using a stone for a pillow, and he, he wrestled with God all night, you know, and he, he said, uh, let me go. And he said, I'll not let you go unless you give me a blessing. And uh, Genesis thirty-two twenty-eight, and he said, thy name shall no, be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. What a name. When Moses comes along over in Egypt and his mother has the child and and they're killing the firstborn male, they're killing the male children because the Hebrews are are having a bunch of children and and they're afraid that they're going to overcome the Egyptians and they're throwing them into the river. She puts him in a basket and floats him down the river and Miriam watches and sees the the princess find him, you know, and uh, take him. And the princess names him. Moses' name means to draw out because he was drawn out of the water. 
Not only that, but later on in his life, God used him to draw the people of Israel out of Egypt. The name means something. In the Bible, they'll, in the naming, they'll, they'll add an L or a Yah, an E-L or a Yah to their name. Popular custom of Bible times was to compose names by using the shortened forms of the divine name El or Yah as the beginning or ending syllable. You have Elisha, which means God is salvation. You have Daniel, which means God is my judge. You have Jehoiakim, the Lord has established. And Isaiah, the Lord is salvation. And God later, through his prophets, showed when he was unhappy with Israel and he had the prophets name their children certain names. And Hosea, I think, I think he's one that had one of the, the roughest runs. God had him marry a woman of ill repute who was unfaithful. I think her name was Gomer, but she was unfaithful. And God used that relationship to show Israel their unfaithfulness to him. When they ran after other gods, just as Hosea's wife ran after other men. And he said to name the children, because they were born, they were born basically out of her sin. And his daughter was to be named Loruhama, no mercy. And his son, Loami, not my people. Both of these names referred to God's displeasure with his people. So a name is important to God. When we look in the Bible, a name means a lot. You know, Juliet, she might have been caught up in Romeo thinking a rose by any other word. It still smelled just as sweet. But God applies meaning to names. When we get to the New Testament, we see the names of Jesus. There's many names of gods, and then I could have, you know, that's, I, I guess that's why I kind of latched onto that Shadrach, Meshach, OSM Lockridge. And you can look him up. Look up my king, Shadrach, Meshach. And you can hear him talk about my king. And he goes through all of that, and you can imagine him shouting. And he gets to that one part, and he said, oh, I just wish I could describe him. And everybody busts out in laughter. And he said, but he's indescribable. Now, I set Jacob up. He'd never heard him before, but just to hear, you got to hear it. It's kind of like hearing the lyrics of a song. You got to hear what he was saying. <clears throat> but he's describing God, and he's describing all of his attributes and just going after him. And it still doesn't describe who God is to us. I was thinking about at Christmas when I was looking at a sermon for Christmas, and I was, there's just, it's hard to describe Jesus. It's hard to describe what he did for you. We hear the words and we, we hear about the birth of Jesus Christ and it's just indescribable what he's done for us. You know, it's, it's like trying to describe a paint color to a blind man. It's like trying to describe a, a symphony to a deaf man. It's hard to describe God, but he's so, there's so many ways that he describes himself. Jesus' name. God was very specific about what his son was to be named. In Psalm 72, 17, it says his, it's an enduring name. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. 
Verse 72, 18, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. In 72, 19, and best, blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth, whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Blessed be his glorious name forever. Not only is it an enduring name, it's a lofty name. In Philippians 2, 9, wherefore God hath also also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, you can talk about all kinds of things. You can go just about anywhere and you can read Tom Sawyer or you can read, you can just read a book. But you go somewhere and you start to mention the name of Jesus Christ. Hold up there. We don't want to offend anybody. You can go and you can tell different jokes or you can, you can just say all kinds of wicked things and people will just laugh with you. They'll go along with it. But you mention the name of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. One day, there will be a judgment. And one day, they will know that Jesus Christ is king. Yes. Not only is it an enduring name, and it's a lofty name, but it's a divine name. In Matthew 1, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. God manifest in the flesh. I know y'all hear me talk about that, but man, I just can't get over that. I just can't get over the fact that God would come down and spend time with us, that he knows all of our weaknesses, that he knows our frailties, yet he suffered them, yet without sin. He suffered temptation, but he didn't fall for it. He suffered the urge to lie, but he didn't do it. He suffered hunger, but he didn't steal. He suffered on this earth among us, and yet he was never, ever not God. Verse 21, and, his, and in his name, well, let's see. It is a name that causes hate. Matthew 10, 22, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. When he's talking to the disciples, just the mention of Jesus' name. They could get up and they could talk about Caesar. They could talk about anything. But they begin to mention Jesus. And over there in Acts, it said, he said, only speak not in his name. They beat the disciples. They beat Peter and John when they were in prison and they came out. You know what they did? They started talking about Jesus. Jesus' name, not only is it an enduring name, it's a lofty name, it's a divine name, it's also a saving name. It said, that she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust, for whosoever, and in uh, 1023, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Acts 2.21 says, and it shall come to pass that who shall ever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing. Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will save you from your sins. Man comes up with all kinds of things. Man wants to come up with all kinds of rites and rituals and swinging incense and burning all kinds of things. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and thou shalt be saved. Listen to what Jesus has to tell you. Obey the Lord Christ in following him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I don't know how it gets laid out any simpler than that. You know, we want to we earn our way. We want to work our way, you know. But all we have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a saving name and it's a royal name. Because there'll come a day in Revelation when Jesus will return. And I like to say, and boy, will he be mad. But Revelation 19, 11, John said, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. In verse number 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And listen to this. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. What is that name? Only God knows. Revelation 19, 13, he was clothed with a vesture, vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. Amen. When we look at this Bible, the whole thing points to Jesus Christ. And you say, where is Jesus today? Right here. In his Word. Jesus is the Word of God. When it was spoken into existence, he was here. In verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We, me and Matt have got a recording of uh, Dr. Peacock at one of the meetings. And, uh, you know, Matt's got a little bit of talent there when it comes to putting things together. And Matt took some music that he had and put it to this preaching of Dr. Peacock's. I don't know if y'all have ever listened to Dr. Peacock like I've told you to do. If you hadn't, you missed out. You want to hear Dr. Peacock? Go, go to BBC Jacks and type in Mephibosheth and listen to him preach on Mephibosheth. You talk about somebody that can paint a picture with words. And here at this meeting, he's painting a picture with words of the day of revelation of Jesus coming on the white horse. And he paints it out there and man, there's a lot of shouting. One day I'm going to play it here just so y'all can hear it. Maybe we'll play it in the beginning just so y'all can hear it. It's got the music with it and everything. And he's talking about Jesus coming and the, and the horses just getting ready for battle, just, just chomping at the bits. And let's ride. You know, I had that recording. There was a friend of mine, Barry, Barry Olstein. He, he was... Uh, I worked with him at the, at the glass plant in Georgia, and he was a good fella. He, matter of fact, that was the first wedding I'd performed was those two, Barry and Heather. I was so scared I was going to say Harry and Beather. <laughs> but uh, I was more nervous than the groom, <laughs> more nervous than the bride. And, uh, but Barry, Barry had cancer, and he had reached out to me. And uh, I, I just didn't want to. Miss, I had this song going through my head. It said, won't you, won't you give me my flowers while I'm living? Y'all ever heard that one? Won't you give me my flowers while I'm living and let me enjoy them while I can, you know? And it goes a lot better when somebody sings it right. But all I could think of was that. I got in the car, and Megan went with me, and we drove the 16, 16 hours. We drove the 16 hours out there and visited him in the hospital. 
And uh, my goodness. Didn't know that was going to happen. But, uh, you know, just to see him in the hospital there, and I, I tell you, I, he was an inspiration to me. I see him getting up out of that bed. I, he, he's lost weight. He must have been 130 pounds or something. I don't know. But he's up there on that bed, sick as he was, and he's making sure he's got everything packed himself, and he's putting his bag on his wheelchair. I mean, he, he didn't stop from the day one. And... Uh, I let him listen to that Brother Peacock message. And uh, it wasn't long after I got home, he was asking me to send that to him because he was about to enter into glory. And uh, he entered into glory hearing that, I think. But he gets to see it. And it said the horses clothed in fine linen, white, let's see, with white horses. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And verse 16, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. And this is an important name. Because he came here first as a suffering servant. He came here first to sacrifice himself. He said, no man taketh my life from him. From me, I lay it down. He came to lay down his life. But when he comes back, he'll have a new name written on his thigh. And it is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. And that's why my king. But... What about your name? We know names are important in the Bible. We know Jesus had many names. We know that God has many names. There wouldn't be time to do it all. I, you know, there's a T-shirt that from Camp I Am, and it lists these names of God. And it's a big list. But let me ask you something. What about your name? You know, there was a time and a day and I'm sure every generation's complained about the one after it. But there was a time in the day when a man was as good as his word. When a family name meant something. We get more and more separated from our families nowadays. We've been broken up. We've, my, you know, my family goes back to the water's edge. After that, it's somewhere over in Norwegian or Sweden. Scandinavian, I guess. But you wouldn't know I'm just a mutt. But the name used to mean something. Somebody cared about the family name. If somebody was going to mess it up, somebody else in the family would make sure that the family honored in order that their name wouldn't be stained. The Bible says a good name is desirable. Proverbs 22.1 says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor, favor rather than silver and gold. A good name is be chosen rather than riches. It's keeping our word. It's, it's, it's being a good representative for who you represent when you name their name. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, a good name is better than precious ointment. A good name is kept clean. 
When you get saved, you become adopted into a family. You become adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. And you get to name the name of Christ. Over in the book of Acts, it said, and they were first called Christians. When you name yourself a Christian, and there's a lot of people that throw that around. Oh, I'm a Christian. I grew up, you know, around a church. We had a church next door. Oh, I'm a Christian. You know, when I went into the Navy and they said, what are you? I don't even know if they ask now. I think they do pronouns instead of religion. But when I went into the Navy and they said, what are you? I said, well, I'm a Baptist because that's all I know. It wasn't because I knew what Baptist doctrine was. It wasn't because I knew anything about it. And there's others that will say, well, I'm a Catholic. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm that. And they take on that name. But let me tell you something. Until I realized what Jesus Christ really did for me and I really understood what the Baptist stood for, that's when I stood up as a Baptist. But when we get saved and we become part of a family, we take on a new name. And we name the name of Jesus Christ. You become a Christian, you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in 2 Timothy 2.19, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Aren't you glad when you get saved? The Lord knoweth them that are his. Oh, because we could get lost. And there's people that get lost, get off in the ditch, get off in the in the waterways, get off in the slums. But God knows those who are his. doesn't matter where you end up. You could die out on a ship in the ocean. God knows them that are his. You could die in the deepest parts of the jungle. God knows them that are his. Amen. He says, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It's a holy name. When we take on the name of Jesus Christ, We're representing a holy God. When we take on the name of Jesus Christ, we're representing the Savior of the world. Our testimony is our name. I told a little story this morning in Sunday school, and I think everybody was here for it just about. But went to a revival meeting one time, and there was a young fellow over there. And, you know, sometimes God will just shine a light on somebody. Talk to him. Talk to him. I said, yes, Lord. And I go and talk to the fellow. I said, would you like to go in the back and talk? Because I knew the people at the church. But we go into the back room. Somebody pointed us to a back room. And I start to witness to him and telling him about Jesus Christ. And he showed up at that meeting because his friends brought him. And that was a good thing. And you could see he was under conviction. there's, There's been a few times in my life when you can just see God is working on somebody. I don't know if the Holy Spirit points at them. I think it does, but you can just see them worming. You can just see them thinking. You can just see them saying, you know, God is real. I want to know this God. I want to be saved. But we were sitting there in the back room, and I was going through it, and I was pointing him to Jesus Christ. He said, yeah, but I just don't know. I found out later that the friends that had brought him the night before, they'd all been out partying. And he looked at his friends. He was standing before a holy God with his own sin in front of him. And those friends that had brought him, they hadn't departed from iniquity. I'm sorry to put it so plain. 
Your testimony, your name matters. What you do with your life matters. You know, when a wife is married to an unbelieving husband, Paul says, you know, if you're so minded, stay with him that by your chaste life, you can bring him to the Lord. And that's a paraphrase, but by your chaste living, you can bring him over to the Lord. And the name matters. So he, he didn't decide that night. I think, I think he had more respect for what God was going to do than what his friends did. And he was afraid to be a hypocrite. And I always joke, you know, it's like, oh, there's too many hypocrites in church. Well, come on, we can stand one more. But the fact is, when we're naming the name of Christ and we're living in sin, we're soiling the name. And a name is very important to God. So as you stand, this year, I'll ask you again, what's your name going to be?